0: Day and yet at the same time, so I still got to push it. Right, no, or it's going. going. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, But we needed the rain, <clears throat> and we and we do need rain. You know, so he gives us not everything that we want. Uh, God is not a a, a father of, of filling out wish lists and that sort of thing, but he is one who supplies our every need and. Uh, we praise him for that, for giving us not only his son, but giving us our day-to-day blessings. Uh, remember that. Uh, I oftentimes forget that, uh, by that, or praising him for the blessings that he gives us. But do remember that as well. Before we begin our sermon this morning, let's uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to worship together here at Hill City Church. And we know that there are some who are sick in our our midst today that are not able to be here. Uh, We're aware of others, Lord, who uh, are overcoming obstacles in their lives. And uh, we pray this day, God, that you will give them your peace, that we will be able to. To minister to them in such a way that uh, they will feel your very presence, no matter where they are. Would you bless us this morning with your word? Uh, It's another difficult uh, subject that we're going to be talking about today. And yet, Lord, uh, we all need to hear this. So would you just bless us with your understanding, not ours, uh, but with your spirit. Uh, guiding us, Lord, help us to that end this morning. We ask you. Bless us, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this prayer. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as uh, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 5 7 through 14 this morning? Stand with me as we hear God's word. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of the house. Lest you give your honor to others in your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin at the assembled congregation. May God bless us with the reading and the understanding of his word, especially today to his word, that our hearts and minds may grow in what you're about to hear. Bless us to that end. You may be seated. This particular passage is somewhat of a a mystery to me, although after hearing Brett uh, attack it last week. There's really not much doubt as to the subject addressed. But it can have so many twists and turns in it, at least the way I was looking at it. Looking at it on the surface, we, we get the, the normal imperative to heed what's being said. It is be, it's being said as, as one who has experience in what he's talking about. Don't ignore what I'm about to tell you, Solomon says. Again, because we've heard those words More than one time, have we not? Verse 7 kind of goes in keeping with what we've heard before. And in verse 8 and on, the possibility of what's being said here can run a gamut of topics. When we see in verse 8, keep a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. And we stop it right there. It looks pretty obvious, doesn't it? I mean, we go back to last week in verse 3 and on. For the the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. From then on, the words she and her are used in every single verse after that. She is bitter. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead to the grave. I think we can see from those statements. It's, It's looking like what we might call... A homewrecker. One who is looking for a good time without the the thought of the life of the of the one she desires to have fun with at that particular moment. And as Brett said, there is no regard or respect for Jesus in this whole process. To that end, I can see where it looks pretty obvious. That the overarching theme here is husbands, watch yourselves. Don't put yourself or or be allowed to be put into a position to have your integrity in question. Young men, those who are unmarried, watch yourself. Don't get yourself into a position that that lust takes over and, and you lose the rest of your life in a relationship you had no business being in in the first place. But I got news for you. This warning is not just for men you can easily turn this whole thing around and it could be a warning to our daughters as well. There are plenty of smooth as oil talking men around as well. So I can see where this might be directed at one aspect of life. But let's take this a little bit further this morning, following along with our reading for today. As Solomon so often says, Hear what I am telling you. Don't turn a deaf ear toward me. How many times when we were growing up did we hear good sage advice from a parent or maybe someone we looked up to? How many times because it didn't fit in with what we were wanting to do did we ignore that advice? I've said this before, but when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, the day I turned 13... My parents' minds went elsewhere. They got sucked out of their skulls somehow or another. I was the smart one then, and, and they were not. They didn't know what they were talking about anymore. I became so much smarter than them, so much more worldly than they were. They didn't understand my world. They were in their late 30s. They, they were way too old to be able to understand what was going on in my life. They didn't understand the world that I was existing in. Listen to them. I sincerely do not think so. However, they got a whole lot smarter when my son was born. And then with Casey. Casey, I hope you're watching this morning. (laughs) You can't hit me from here. Maybe tomorrow. Anyway, Casey, that was a whole other story when she was born, but I, I kid. I kid, okay? But my point here is that I think Solomon keeps saying this over and over again because he knew what he had thought and what he had done when he was a younger person, even as an adult. Sadly, maybe even, as, as Brett kind of alluded to last week, as perhaps he was even writing these Proverbs. And he simply didn't want his son or sons or children to have to endure some of the pain that he did when he was young. Listen to me now. Or it could be, as in Southern talk, listen to me now. It could be one way or the other. I, I thought that might be interesting. I could, could you hear Solomon speaking Southern? Mm-hmm. Right, right? Yeah. Stay away from hurry, he is saying. Keep your distance away from her, he is saying. Don't go near them. Don't even walk on the same block that she lives on. Is it because I don't want you to have any fun? No, that's not it at all. This is one that is quite hard for young people to grasp, I have to say. You just want me to be a stick in the mud like you, don't you? Or words along those lines as I remember saying them. Some words may have been changed possibly to protect the guilty here. Now these next couple of verses are going to give a detailed explanation as to why Solomon was saying what he was saying. Notice here, I think this is important, the words because I said so were not used. Remember that. Solomon is saying here that if you indeed follow the wicked woman, the adulteress, that fun girl, whatever you might want to call her, taking these words at face value here in this passage, watch out. Solomon is saying, he even goes so far as to say, don't even go near her house. Don't even be in the same neighborhood. Follow her and here is what you risk losing. So let's simply look at the things we can see here, things that are, that are identifiable, things that are concrete to us, okay? Your integrity, gone. Strangers will take your strength away from you. Your wealth will be sacked by others. <clears throat> I've known cases where lawyers take everything folks have worked so very hard for. All that you worked so hard for in your life, your name, your perceived wealth, maybe even your health will be taken away. I've known people whose health was wrecked from agonizing over what has taken place. How especially it didn't have to end that way, but sadly, sadly it did. The things that you loved here on earth will be taken away from you and not by force. It can be sickening. You gave them away. You will mourn what has happened to you to make matters worse. All of this could have been prevented had you listened to those whose wisdom and counsel you chose not to heed. None of this had to take place. Look at verses 12 and 13. You said to yourself, whether you actually said these words here or not is irrelevant, okay? But your actions screamed how I hated discipline. How my heart despised discipline. Reproof. I didn't listen to the voice of my teacher or to the urging of my instructors. My refusal to do right led me to the brink of disaster, Solomon is saying here. Woe is me. It's even conceivable to lose your job in a situation like this. And as unfair as it sounds... Someone else enjoys the fruits of your labor. Why? Because you gave in to an urge that could have easily been rejected. Then look at verse 14. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Now, let's stop right there for a minute. I want to flesh this verse out a a little bit here. But congregation, I want to ask you a question. If you knew someone in a situation such as this, what would you do? Would you give them the evil eye when you saw them for the first time after you heard what had happened to them? Would you attempt to make them feel worse than they already do, though I doubt that's possible? Would you turn your back on them in an effort to help them see the error of their ways? I would hope your answer to all these questions would be a resounding no. A loving church is going to help a person who has erred. Should they condone the actions? By no means, no. The intent is to help the one who has erred. So let me ask you this. If you had a child who committed a crime punishable by incarceration, let's say, It's the first time they would gotten into trouble, but would you you turn your back on them and not love them anymore to show them the straight and narrow? You're not going to be happy with that that child breaking the law. You might even get angry with them. But they're your child. They're your family member. You're going to continue to love them, right? It, It may not always be easy, but this is what you're going to do. But now if they continue to over and over break the law with no remorse, it may try your patience, it may try your love for them, but ultimately you are generally going to not turn your back on them entirely. Family sticks together, don't they? As much as is possible, anyway when they get so aggravated that they're given an ultimatum to straighten up or or not be able to be part of the family until they do, as hard and painful as that might be, it might come to that. It might have to come to that. And I can promise you, the ones who love, the one who breaks the law continuously, they are the ones who are going to hurt worse. They don't want the process to have to take place. This is the way it is, or should be. This is the way it should be for any loving, caring congregation. And that's what verse 14, in my opinion, is all about. But I want us to expand our thinking just a little bit here on this particular passage. I know that this passage pertains to the obvious Solomon is talking about here. Allowing a woman or a man to come into the life of one who should have not allowed it to happen. And again, I don't necessarily mean having an affair of the heart. Okay, It goes beyond that. It could be a relationship based on money. One time or ongoing. And yet there can be affairs of a different nature that can cause as much, if not more, harm. A man or a woman can become married to a job, to alcohol, to drugs, to sports, to pornography, to just about anything that takes time and money, that can take your emotional, physical, even spiritual strength away from you. To that end, anything that can take, as we classically say, God's rightful place as first in our lives. Plus, it keeps male or female from from giving their all to their spouse. Notice now, I said spiritual as well here. We'll look at that in just a minute. First thing we want to look at is the marriage relationship and how it can be cheated by something that is non-sexual. This is concerning verses 7 and 8, but with the same kind of endings that we could envision as we just talked about in verses 9 through 14. So many times I have been guilty of this in some ways. This next example, though, is not one of them, okay? You'd think a pastor would always put God first, right? And while for the most part that's usually true, pastors can use God as a weapon. Did you know that? In fact, I've known many people who in an attempt to get their way on certain things or to try to justify what they're doing. They do these things in the name of the Lord. Now, you're not going to argue with the Lord, are you? Most people aren't going to. And yet pastors can try to usurp power within a church by invoking the name of Jesus to get their schemes accomplished. They can do it with about any group that they happen to be a part of, whether that's in the church or outside the church. Sadly, that can include home life as well. You want something from your wife. Or you want your children to behave in a certain way. You simply remind them that if they don't do it, they're sinning. And God could send them straight to hell for not obeying you. Let's look at another way that's a little bit more my confession to you here. In seminary, we're reminded that we should look to God first for all things. But then we should look to the family, the church, and ourselves should be taken care of as well, pretty much in that order. I've been guilty of letting church work take my time away from home or or setting up a meeting without asking my wife if we had anything scheduled that particular evening. And that, unfortunately, wasn't just happening when I was working full-time either. It's happened since I have retired. Maybe some of you all have done the same thing at times. One example I can give you, though, today is my grandfather, a great godly man. But sometimes he would let his love for the church, small c in this particular instance, not necessarily God here, but the church itself come before his family. He came to my grandmother once and suggested that they move into the basement of the church so that they could give more of their earnings to the church each week. Of course, my grandmother short-circuited that one really, really quick. A very quick, terse no was all it took. But you see, my grandfather, I, I would say innocently enough, knowing him as I did, he was putting the needs of the church in Rome, Georgia, ahead of the needs of his family. It was not the right thing to do. A job, sporting events, maybe the church itself, and other things that we've mentioned cannot replace or at least should not usurp the love of your spouse or your family. There must be a common love for Christ in order to make marriages work through the best and worst of times. Or at the very least, the chances of the marriage succeeding are far greater if both husband and wife have that common love for Christ. You see, it wasn't that my grandmother didn't have a love for Jesus, nor a love for my grandfather for that matter. Far from it. She knew, though, that taking care of her family was following Jesus' teachings. She had the good sense to see that. It was her husband's heart for Jesus, maybe, that kind of got off track a Sadly, the same dangers of verses 9 through 11 can be said of the other possible dangers that can be wedged in between a husband and a wife. Because you see, it's the same principles behind putting something behind you and God. It takes a love and a devotion away from the one who should be first and and foremost in your life on this earth. In one sense that would be God. In another sense, it would be your spouse. And devastation can occur in either situation. Do you see where then verses 12 through 14 might come into play here? And again, Solomon is practically begging his sons, I imagine his children, with over 700 wives and over 300 concubines, you got to figure the law of averages said he had more than just a couple of kids. Did you can you see here why he wanted them to heed his words and not take them for granted? Can you hear? Yeah, I thought I knew better than everybody else what I needed. I knew what I thought I wanted. I didn't need to listen or want to listen to anybody else. Folks. Those words are every one of us's words at some point or another in our lives. Our stubborn pride pushed us beyond what we know we shouldn't do, and we go ahead and do the wrong thing anyway. We let another human, or a job, or drugs, or alcohol, or pornography, or any other thing take over our lives. And we hear these words over over, and over again in our minds. I didn't listen to those who knew better than me, who were trying to keep me from making such a huge mistake. I am at the brink of utter ruin. Before the church, before my family, before my God. Now, let me stop right here and say this. I mentioned another human, job, drugs, alcohol, and pornography a second ago. Folks, the list of potential disasters does not stop right there. Sometimes one thing can lead to another. Sometimes it just might be nothing that we've mentioned here today at all. Or anything most of us may have even thought about before. There are any number of things that can cause these problems. What it is really doesn't matter if the truth be made known. Know that. While the words from verse 3 that last week take on the form of a woman, it does not stop there. I do want to go back to a couple of weeks ago to the the last few verses in chapter 4. Remember, if you will, we have been being hammered with the same thoughts week in and week out by Solomon. But remember, if you will, reflecting on our passage for today, verses 23 through 27 of chapter 4. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Put away your crooked speech and devious talk. Keep your eyes looking straight ahead. Watch the path of your feet and don't veer off the beaten path. Next week, you're going to hear this all over again, but with different words. Or maybe in two weeks, because I guess, I don't know if your dad preaching on this next week. Okay, then you'll hear it next week. Anyway, once more, I can't help but believe that Solomon is sharing life experiences that either he has gone through, or we know his dad, David, we know his history, went through some of them as well. But he had experience in his pocket as he was giving these words of wisdom to his children and to us today. Brett hit on a lot of this last week. The words that he gives are I really can't be much plainer, I don't think. Read these words over and over again. Burn them into your heart. Maybe many of us in this room this morning could... Tell both older and younger than we are, don't make these same mistakes I made. Save yourself some pain and agony. You can thank me later. Follow the pathway, the narrower pathway that leads to eternal joy, not the path that leads to temporary pleasure, but ends in two words that I think haunt us all. What if? Keep your eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, for it's in him being first in our lives. We will never have to look back and regret the day we took him out of first place in our hearts and in our minds. May God bless us today with a greater understanding of those valuable words that Solomon gave to us so long ago. Amen. Pray with me again. Father, again, thank you for this morning and this time that we have had together to be able to worship you, to be able to hear your words and words that are oftentimes very difficult for us to hear. And yet, I think we all need to hear. Lord, I'm not asking that every one of us limp out the door this morning because of stepped on toes, but I am asking you to help us search our hearts And to be able to see that Solomon really knew what he was talking about. And even though we did not know him personally, he knew us. He knew our hearts because he knew his own. And so help us to grow from these words. Help us to learn from these experiences. Help us to look to you for all things from here on. As Brett said earlier today, our sins are forgiven. They're forgotten. We are clean when we simply ask for forgiveness and turn to you. So would you bless us to that end this morning and be with us, we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.